Hi, everyone. This is Mona Charon. Today on Just Between Us, Charlie Sykes and I discussed the fallout from Tucker Carlson's defenestration and the perils of excessive partisanship, among many other things. If you want to hear the whole episode, please go to thebulwark.com and sign up for a Bulwark Plus membership. We have a vibrant civil community, and we would love for you to be a part of it. There will be somebody else in that slot, and that person will have a big audience. But I'm not so sure that person will be quite as malevolent and as dangerous as Tucker Carlson. Okay, this is the point. I mean, yeah, they'll, they'll slot somebody and their ratings will not be hurt, but you're right. And this is what I wrote this morning. And I was talking with Brian Stelter about, I mean, Fox News hosts, a lot of them are bad. Okay, do terrible things. Not, you know, whatever, not ornaments to American journalism. Right. But Tucker Carlson was uniquely malign and toxic. And, you know, the, the role he played in inserting these grievance-laden conspiracy theories and white nationalism into the American bloodstream, I mean, that is a uniquely toxic role. And no matter how bad the person is who succeeds him, I don't think it's going to be as bad. Yeah, that's my inclination to believe that as well. And one way to analyze it is that lies are bad, you know, and, and they all lie. But there are lies and then there are lies. Joe Biden announced he's running again. And in his video, he said part of what he's running for is to prevent Republicans from cutting Social Security and Medicare. Well, Republicans have said very clearly they have no intention of doing that. So, okay, that's a lie. But that is not the kind of lie that makes people reach for their guns, that makes people hate their fellow American, it might make them, you know, more inclined to vote Democrat, which is, you know, whatever, it's its intention. And it's not cricket, right? You shouldn't lie. Nobody should lie. But the kinds of lies that Tucker specialized in were the really subversive kind, the kind that made you hate people, kind that made you fearful, the kind that made you think there were vast conspiracies conspiracies out there and that you were unsafe and that you had more to fear from fellow Americans than from, for example, Vladimir Putin. (laughs) I can't stress enough how much Tucker Carlson has turned the whole concept of conservatism inside out. Not that the path wasn't already very well prepared by Trump and all his minions, but this shilling for Putin in particular is just unbelievably corrupt and vicious and antithetical to the best parts of what conservatism was. Maybe conservatives in the past were a little bit blind to some issues. You know, maybe they were a little too wedded to, definitely they were too wedded to tax cuts and so on. But boy, one thing you could rely on them for is they wanted to stand up to dictators. They wanted to stand up to aggressors internationally. That was in the DNA of conservatism, at least as you and I knew it. In Tucker's hands, he's become a poodle for the worst. Yes, the worst of the Most worst. rapacious regime. Well, it's a close call between Putin and China, but you know. There's just such a long list of the things that he did that were uh, so deplorable. Look, I, I don't 
misunderstand me. I don't think this had anything to do with what happened to Tucker Carlson, but I, I can't, but I can't help but think back on my conversation with Paul Ryan, who was, you know, on the, on the Fox board. And I, you know, I challenged him, had written him an open letter saying, you know, if not now, when? And I directly face to face, I said, you know, how long are you going to put up with this toxic sludge that you're getting, you know, mm-hmm. from, you know, people like uh, Tucker Carlson, you know, whether, whether it's the great replacement theory or it's vaccine denialism or election denialism or, you know, rewriting the history of January 6th. And Ryan didn't really hesitate to throw Tucker under the bus, that he disagrees with Tucker, that most of what I was describing was was all about Tucker. And so, I mean, obviously they recognized that Tucker was, you know, uniquely awful. You know, I, Brian Stelter made a couple of really interesting points. We may look back, when this is all over, look back to that whole episode where Kevin McCarthy gave Tucker Carlson, the January 6th tapes, and, you know, he tried to do that revisionist history that it really wasn't that violent. And the point that Brian made was, you notice that at Fox, no one else followed up on it. This big scoop that Tucker Carlson had, it wasn't on any of the other opinion shows, it wasn't on the news shows. Mm -hmm. And so that Tucker was sort of increasingly a third wheel, I mean, kind of a, you know, isolated thing. And then, of course, you have to ask, what the impact of going through that Dominion lawsuit was. You know, I have this image of Rupert, I, I thought Rupert Murdoch probably thought he dodged a bullet, but maybe he's sitting in this darkened room thinking, you know, God damn it, you know, what just happened? That was embarrassing. That was humiliating. I'm never going to allow that to happen because something broke because up until like felt like five minutes ago, Tucker Carlson was astride the world, right? He had the zeitgeist by the balls. Lachlan Murdoch was his buddy. He could do and say anything. And then yesterday, they just bring him in and they execute him. I mean, so something changed. It's not a direct result of the Dominion lawsuit, but it feels like it's part of the hangover. So, and it could be that part of it is the stuff that was redacted that we didn't see from discovery in the Dominion lawsuit. So I can easily imagine a world, Charlie, in which, you know, the Fox executives obviously had no problem with the Patriot purge, which was the thing that propelled Jonah Goldberg and Steve Hayes to finally break ranks and leave Fox in protest. Um, or the vaccine denialism, or the immigrants are dirty, or, you know, the list is endless of the outrages that he has committed and the lies that he has told. They were fine with all that. But when, in the course of discovery, after they were sued, they find out that Tucker has been dissing them personally, (laughs) saying that they're incompetent and that they've been captured by the liberals and other things that we obviously do not know about that were in those redacted parts, I can easily imagine a world in which the executive said, oh, yeah, it's fine if you lie to the public. It's fine if you sow division in our society and undermine truth. But don't you dare criticize us. That's it. You're out of here. You know? Right. I asked Brian about this as well. And I know that I'm out over my skis, but I always had the sense that Tucker is sitting up there and, you know, holed up in Maine, you know, increasingly isolated and getting a little bit weird, but also kind of thinking like, you know, how can I keep pushing the envelope? You know, how can I keep, you know, making the pure meth? How can I go for the bigger dough? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was like, it was like yeah. one outrage after another. And I think that there is something to say the dangers of, of isolation where 
you become even more malicious and you're searching out, you know, what other small fry are you going to try to humiliate? Can I interrupt for one second? Because you said he was try- humiliating small fry. But don't forget, it was just a few months ago that the giant, the colossus bestriding the world of Tucker Carlson was able to force Senator Ted Cruz to grovel. Oh. Remember? And to backtrack because Cruz had been too critical of Putin. And that was the power he had. Okay, I'm sorry. I had to just interject that. Do continue. Well, exactly. I mean, he thought he thought that he not only controlled Fox, that he was untouchable at Fox. He had really sort of internalized this idea that uh, he ran the Republican Party and he could force people to their knees. And that was his, you know, that was kind of his thrill. Who can I humiliate? And so you see where the hubris begins to sort of intersect with all of this. I guess the big question is, you know, it was all laughs and giggles for Lachlan Murdoch until it wasn't. So what changed? Was it because of the use of the C word or who did he use the C word to or did he say something else? Because you wouldn't think that Fox News uh, folks would be, you know, really that thin skinned or that PG-13 unless there was the cumulative weight of and I apologize for the word, the cumulative weight of Tucker Carlson's assholery over the years. I mean, I, I've seen people <laughs> asshole themselves out of a job where you go, well, like, what happened? Why'd they get fired? It's, a, it's not one thing. It's just, it was just the cumulativeness of it. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, it is interesting, isn't it, that you're reading stories about, you know, people rejoicing in the hallways of Fox News, <laughs> not the ones who work directly for him, but everybody else in the building, apparently. But And who knows whether that's right or wrong. But, pure joy. Yeah, pure joy. I asked Brian about it, and he thought it was right. And I think part of it is, though, is the, is the arrogance and the separation that, you know, Tucker's not around. I mean, he's not there. He's not supporting them. He's in Maine. Yeah. And part of that is that if you're at Fox, you're constantly having to answer for his latest outrage. So even though they had sort of increasingly sealed him off, like the Patriot Purge, I don't think was on Fox News, right? Wasn't it like a separate streaming channel? And yes, nobody followed right. up Fox on the Nation. January 6th. Mm-hmm. And then he was getting weirder and weirder, you know, bringing on, you know, the Glenn Greenwalds of the world and by the who no longer have a gig on Fox, perhaps. And they're railing about it on Twitter. Right. So they had to defend this. They had to, you know, they had to carry this on their shoulders. And, you know, and after a while it became exhausting. And particularly, you know, knowing that he was smirking at them that, you know, what are you going to do to me? Mm -hmm. Who's Mm going to touch me? Yeah. So, By the way, it's possible, again, I only know what I read in the papers, but it's possible that he was exaggerating his closeness to Lachlan Murdoch when he was deposed, apparently, he was asked under oath how close they were, and he said, they don't speak daily or weekly or maybe once a month, he said. Interesting. So, so interesting that, that even that may be a lie, but there's also, you know, it is almost a Greek epic, right? That pride goeth before a fall and the hubris that you've mentioned. And now he has taken a tremendous tumble and it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. <laughs> 